Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Good morning, everybody. So good to see you today. Um, at the end of service, we're going to be taking communion together, so just, uh, just prepare your hearts for that. And uh, also something really special today is our faith group sign-ups, and let me encourage you to, to, to go out. We have areas out in the, in the atrium that you can sign up. You can find out more about um, certain groups that we have. Um, we, we believe that God has not called us just to come and, and attend and then go, but we also want to continue to grow in these in groups of small groups. And I know many of you are a part of them, but if you're not a part of a small group, let me encourage you, just stop by, find out what we have. We would love to help you connect with other people and grow as we lean in to become everything that God's called us to be. So super excited about that. And I'll mention that again at the end of service. I'm so super excited about that today. I, I, I am really excited about today's message and to conclude this message with communion. This is a bit different than some of my other messages that I've shared, but I really believe it's, it is from the Lord. And we've, we've spent um, the last few weeks looking at the reality of the kingship of Christ. We have, we've determined that Christ actually is king. He's not the, the, the king that will be. He is king today. Amen. He's the king that rules. He's the king that reigns. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's not the king that will be the king of kings or the Lord that will be the Lord of lords. He is that today, right now. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is there. And when he sat down, his work was done. Now, there are aspects of God's kingdom that we are yet to see and yet to experience. But that doesn't change the reality that Christ is King. That's why we have the t-shirts. So it's important we understand that and we apply that to our lives. We live in a world that is desperate for the people of God to understand that when you become a follower of Jesus, you are brought into the kingdom of God and given a, a, an anointing and the Holy Spirit inside of you to apply the crown rights of Jesus on the earth today. Say amen. Amen. Today. So what does that look like to live under the kingship of Christ? Most of us live our lives hoping for that moment that Christ will return, that finally he'll be king. No, 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 no. He is king today. And we in his kingdom have a responsibility to apply that kingship in our life. What does it look like to to live under that kingship in our lives? And so we spent the last several weeks looking at self And we've determined that actually there is a choice that we can make to come under that kingship. And so we we make that choice to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And he allows us inside of us to come under the kingship of Christ and begin to live free from the curse of sin fully and to live fully underneath that kingship. And so it's important we understand this idea. But today, this message is understanding Christ's authority and the church. Christ's authority and the church. So we looked at Christ's authority in self, that we are self, that there is a a decision that we make within ourselves to come underneath that authority. And we looked at the characteristics of what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus, not a convert to Christianity. There's a difference. There's a difference. We live in a world, there are lots of converts. Lots of people say, I'm Christian, but there isn't any fruit of discipleship in their life. 
And this is not a type of message that grows churches. I'm just being honest. But this is the type of message that builds the foundation deep so that then that individual and that group of people who continue to grow with Christ begin to be used of God to transform the world around us and exercise the crown rights of Jesus in every aspect of their life. So today we're going to lean in and talk about authority, Christ's authority in the church. So we see in Matthew 28 that all authority, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Can we read that together? Just that first sentence. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus says, all. Everybody say all. So there isn't anything lacking. There isn't anything that is to come. All authority has been given to Christ. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. When he rose from the dead, he fulfilled the prophecy out of Genesis 3 that his heel crushed the head of Satan who owned humanity. He popped the head of Satan like a cockroach underneath your foot on a warm summer night, just, just like that. That's what he did. It's important we understand that. He dethroned Satan from being the the leader and ruler and the one who enslaved all of humanity, he dethroned him. Now we as humanity have the opportunity to put our trust in Christ and come under his authority and his leadership. And so we find this reality of the kingship of Christ. And so let me, um, there's this great passage out of the book of Acts. When Jesus gives the great commission, Luke writes this, that the disciples stood there and it says, and after he had said these things, this is after Jesus had given the great commission, they were looking on. He was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, so I want you to imagine this. There's 12 of them. While they were gazing into heaven, so they were still looking into heaven. They're like, whoa, that was amazing. Behold, two men stood by them with white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? So in other words, hey guys, what are y'all doing? Did you just see that? He went up into heaven. And the angels said this, this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So they stood there and they were like, all right, we'll just wait right here. But God sent messengers to say, hey, fellas, um, he'll come back. But you need to remember, this is, I'm paraphrasing, you need to remember what he told you to do while he was gone. And what did he tell them to do? Go into all the world. He told them in Matthew 28, make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them. Who's the them? The nations. The them is the nations. Teaching them to observe. Teaching them all that I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the ends of the age. So the angels show up and they say, hey, listen, I know you're waiting. I know you can't wait till he returns. He'll come back in his own time. He'll return to this very spot. But until then, you've got some work to do. And where the church has been over the last 25 years has been at the place that the disciples stood on the Mount of Olives, gazing, going, all right, we'll wait. We'll wait. 
He said he's going to come back. Let's, let's wait. And the angels have already declared, hey, what are you doing? They already said in his word, what are you doing? And much of the church has lived in this world that we wait. What do you want to do? Have a Bible study? All right, let's have a Bible study. Why we wait? But we've forgotten that actually in your conversion to Christianity and and becoming a disciple, you are given a commission to go and establish the kingdom of God that's already been established by Christ himself, that we have work to do. How many know we have work to do? And that the, the, the kingdom of God is not, a, it's not one who is defeated. The kingdom of God is one that is victorious. He has already won the victory. Victory has been won. The price has been purchased. The head of Satan has been crushed. You have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You have been brought into the kingdom for, with a task and a purpose to reclaim what already belongs to Jesus through your life. Amen? Now it's fun to wait. Because the snacks are good, the air conditioner's good. I don't have to really be inconvenienced much. I can just live my life until he returns. But that's not the commission of Christ. See, we live in a world that God has established authorities. And so God has, wants us to understand this. And this is going to be a new concept for many of you today. But we need to understand we've already established Christ's kingship over us, Christ's kingship in our life. How do we live that? How do we bring him glory? That we, we don't make decisions to prove anything to him, but we do make decisions in our life. How do we bring glory to Jesus through our personal lives? But also there are other aspects of spheres of types of government that are, have been established by God on the earth to carry out his purposes here on earth. They are what the scripture calls, they are ministries of God. So I want to introduce these areas that God has designed to carry out his kingship on the earth. Each one is a vehicle in which God articulates in his word, has a responsibility, a function to bring glory to Christ through it. To bring glory to Christ through it. First was self, God desires to bring, to, for us to live our lives that bring glory and honor to him. But these are these three areas of spheres of influence or government or however you want to call them that are very important. They are articulated by scripture. And so we want to lean into these. And the one we're going to focus on today is the church. But before we get to the church, I need to introduce the other two. And so there are three biblical spheres. So that are governments, but governments means this, they are institutions established by God and endowed by God with limited authority, but they are specific. So there is one, the family government, two, church government, three, civil government. What does it look like for those types of governments who are articulated by God in the scriptures, who are ministers of God on the earth, to do and apply the will of God on the earth, what does it look like to bring glory to Christ through those? Now, this is where a lot of people get uncomfortable when you mention civil. Because they haven't fully established the belief that Jesus actually meant what he said. 
when he said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Because of that, therefore go and teach what I have taught you. Now, this is a paradigm shift for many of us today. Many of us are in, are, we have a survival Christianity. Let's just survive while we wait. But the Bible says that we are to occupy, take ground while we wait. Many of us have just prescribed to this idea, well, things are gonna get bad anyway. What's the point? What's the point of things get, I mean, what's the point of us trying to bring forth the glory of Christ through our lives when things are gonna get bad? I do want to give a quick plug. In, in October, I'm gonna be doing a, um, uh, a Wednesday night series on victorious eschatologies that we can look at scripture and look and see what, what, what does it mean to live in a victorious kingdom on the earth today, okay? So we need to understand this. But most of us forget that this is the heart of God. Most of us think, it, it, we kind of see it this way. It's kind of like God gave us like the world to steward. Here you go. I'm going to go away, occupy until I come back. We go, okay, cool. And then we read some scripture and we're like, oh, but it's going to get bad. So it's much like this. Let's just say I had, I had a repair shop of a, a, that's a vehicle repair shop. I restored old antique cars. And this guy came to me. And he, it, he had this nice, beautiful 57 Chevy, just the old kind with, I mean, it's everything in it. It's, it's, it's all, but, but he says, I want you to spare no expense. I want you to repair this. I want you to research the stitching that was on the original. I want everything original. I want you to redo everything, find every part that needs to be done. I want you to polish the motor, get it perfect. Everything about it. I want to feel like I'm back in 1957. I want everything there. The leather, I want original. So get after it. So I start working on this car. And then he comes to, to, to visit me. I'm like, see, look, look, look what I'm doing. And I, and I ask him, hey, so what are you going to do after, when this car's done? What are you going to do with it? You're going to sell it? You're going to, what? It? He goes, no, I'm going to enter it into a demolition derby. <laughs> How many know? That's going to affect the quality of my work. <laughs> Most of us have been prescribed that the earth is being entered into a demolition derby. I know Jesus said this, but what's the point? And that is a misunderstanding of the victorious kingdom of God. That is a misunderstanding of the nature of our God. And that is a misunderstanding of the kingship of Christ. So these three areas are designed by God to bring forth his will and his purpose on the earth. And so we struggle because we haven't fully understood what this means. So these three areas of government are established in this word, first family, this is husband and wife are tasked by the scriptures with the responsibility of procreation, if God would allow that, the raising of children, and all of it done to bring glory and honor to Christ as the king of that family. And the family government, according to scripture, 
is given the, the ministry. You, you, you could say the ministry of health for the family, education for the family, welfare, welfare and provision for the family. There is roles and responsibility that parents, you are responsible for health, you're responsible for education, you're responsible for provision for your children and for the family as a whole. But it's in the scriptures. We'll talk more about that in the future. Also, there's civil government, which is very clear, is called a ministry to be ministers of God. The civil government is tasked with the responsibility of dispensing justice that would bring glory and honor to Christ by its actions of justice. This is to be, again, it's called the ministry of justice. It's to provide protection and safety. It's so that you can walk down the, the road or the sidewalk at midnight if you can't sleep. Now, you should use wisdom. Sometimes you shouldn't. But it's designed to actually bring safety. It's to provide safety. But the justice the civil government is to administer is to be defined by the Bible, not by the order of the mob. It's not to be defined by someone's offended Therefore, justice should be carried out so that person isn't offended anymore. No, no, justice, according to scriptures, is to be carried out through civil government when a person's God-given biblical rights are violated. Or the ministry of justice is to act in order to protect God's given rights defined by God in the scriptures. And so it's important we understand, and we'll talk more about that in the future. But today I want to lean into this idea of the church. The church is tasked by God. The church. And so let, let, let me clarify. The church, the structure of the church, which is defined by scriptures. The purpose of the church was defined by scriptures. What Jesus asked the church to do and its leaders to do, that's defined by scriptures. But that's tasked by God with the responsibility of the Great Commission, the spread of the gospel, to teach that we are to obey the commandments of Christ in his word. But it's very important to note and to understand that each one of these spheres of government are to, to remain autonomous, and I'll explain. One is not to dominate over the other. Each one have a responsibility before God and according with his word, to govern that particular task that falls under it according to scripture. Each has something they are to uniquely use. The family uses what the scripture calls the rod, the rod of correction in love, to model Christ in, the, in their midst, to give godly, loving, spiritual oversight and protection and leadership as we lean into this, you're going to find that this, this, is, this is for the man. The husband of the house is to be the initiator of these things. There's the civil government. They are to wield the sword of justice and punishment. And the church is to wield the word of God 
and give spiritual protection over, over the sheep, that the, the pastor who's the under-shepherd of the great shepherd is to administer protection to those that, are in, in, that come and, and are part of the church and are members of the church to administer the word of God for a purpose so that that person can go and fulfill God's purpose on their life. These are biblical realms of government that have an order and a function designed by God to bring forth his will within his current, within the current kingdom on the earth. Now, when I say they are autonomous, what I mean by this is that the church is not to replace a father or a mother or a family. The church is not to wield the sword and bring justice and, um, and punishment. No, they are, there is a unique design by God in the scriptures that there is a civil government that is to do that. So the leaders of the church are to have a task and a role and a purpose. Our job is to equip you who are called by God, let's say to be in civil government, to know and be equipped to go and to have the word of God, to understand your purpose and your calling, to go and live out your purpose and calling and apply God's word in that arena of government that he's called you to be. Same way with the family, same way with whatever you do. It is the church's role and job to equip you to be what God's called you to be, to bring glory to Christ on the earth through these areas of government on the earth. You guys understand that? But these are biblical realms of government, the family, civil, and church that are designed by God to bring forth his will on the earth. Now, the old Paul Harvey thing, if I were the devil, you know what I would do? What I would do is I would, I would seduce the church, the pastors, the leaders, that the only expression of God's kingdom that really matters is that which happens on Sunday morning. Because then I can get them out of the other spheres of government. And then if I was the devil, I would then take over and I'd, I'd put my own people in those realms in education. And I begin to seduce all of humanity because I've just seduced the church to think that their only expression of, of establishing God's kingdom happens on Sunday mornings. And then once I disengage Christians, then I can do whatever I want. Though they have authority over Satan, though we, we have authority over Satan, we can seduce us and get us to disengage, then he's good. This is why we need to understand what God has called us to do, what he's called us to be. This is why we as the church in this new season of who we are need to understand that God's called us not to wait until he comes, but to occupy, to be strategic, to share the gospel, to stand for truth, and to apply God's word in every area of our lives. So over the next several weeks, we're going to look at the realm of the church and discover what are the characteristics characteristics and function of the local church government defined by Christ our King. What does it look like to be a church that's under the kingship of Christ? And so the church is to be a minister of the Holy Spirit, administering grace and peace, the word of God, administering communion, overseeing the union and sacrament of marriage. We're to teach, to train, but the function of the church is not to do what you are called to do on the earth. So important. 
The church is an expression of God's kingdom and has a role in God's kingdom. But it is not the end-all, be-all with God's kingdom. We all have a role. We all have a purpose. Ephesians 4.11 says this, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So the role of a pastor that Jesus established according to uh, the, the scriptures is to equip the people of God to do the ministry. When we think that, we think works of service, we think, oh, in the church, well, that's part of it. But no, no, it's where you go. When we come and we gather as the ecclesia, those who were called out to gather, we are equipped, we are filled up, and then we go out and we transform the world in the name of Jesus. That's what we do. So this means in education, in baking, in construction, in, gov in, in civil government, in raising children, in marriage, whatever it is, we are to equip you. But it is important to understand the gathering of believers to the church that Christ has set you in. This is, so, this is why it's so important to have a local home church. I hear people go, oh, I belong to three churches. Well, then you don't belong to any. That's not, well, my, my church is a, is a golf course on Sunday mornings. Me, and my altar is the, you know, the, the tee box on, on hole, hole four because it's beautiful. That sounds great, but it's wrong. It's just not in the Bible. So Christ has set each one of us including myself as a congregation member and then also as a pastor, but also I'm under authority of elders. And so we, we do this together to fulfill God's purpose on our life. What has he called us to do? And we do it under his kingship. We, what, what happens here on Sundays is, is to equip you to run on high octane to fulfill God's purpose and call in your life. And so we are the church under the lordship of Christ. We're, we're comprised of believers who are committed to our local church. They're committed to the understanding and structure of leadership and pastors and elders. It's, it's also the understanding, and this is what I believe. I think a lot of people get, get frustrated with church when they don't understand they, they have a calling to actually go out and expand the kingdom of God. But they get, they get distracted by little things because they think this is the only expression of God's kingdom. They don't come ready to receive. They come ready to be like, ah, what's wrong with that place? And that God wants to shift this. And have us come and gather and worship and receive teachings and worship God through singing and serving and giving and be equipped for all of us to do what God's called us to do. That's the purpose of the church. And we gather as a local church because God says to in his word. I hope you understand that. We, we come to church not because, hey, I got a great idea. Let's all gather and be a church. No, no, that's God's idea. Sorry. We worship and we sing. Why? Because God says we're to do that in the Bible. We divide the word and apply it. Why? Because God says to do that in the Bible. 
We then go out and we live from what we receive with, with our other church family because that's what God said to do in the Bible. We go out and share Christ. We live for Christ. We go out and we reclaim what belongs to Christ. We bring those who we share the gospel with to church with us, which church is called. Church is, is designed to be for believers. What's happened over the years, we've made the gathering believers actually place, ooh, don't make it too, too much for believers because the unbelievers will feel uncomfortable. They should. Not because, not because we don't express love and kindness, but because we are growing in his word. And just, I don't know about you, I remember the moment I was uncomfortable, but what that was was the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I then repented and I said, I want to obey you and follow you. And then all of a sudden I became a part of a church family and I began to grow with them. This is the purpose of church. So the church's role is to teach biblical virtues on how we are to live our lives. How we are to lead our families. How we are to love our wives. Wives, how, how you are to submit to husbands and children. How, you, how you're to obey your parents and how we're to lead our businesses or live our lives in purity and honesty and integrity. But it is our responsibility as the hearers of God's word to do so in the manner of God's word for the glory of Christ, our King, in our everyday life. But I want you to get this. Please get this today. The church is not to be a rival of civil government. But the church does have a responsibility to speak to civil government or civil magistrate and declare that something is wrong and declare what God says is right and what God says his will and his word says is what is just and right for humanity. We have a responsibility to say that. The church is to declare that God's word forbids, let's say, same-sex marriage. God does not allow it. It is not in the scriptures. Marriage was God's idea. It was birth in the Bible. So it's forbidden by him. And just because civil government sanctions same-sex marriage does not mean it's marriage. It does not recognize, it is not recognized by God as marriage. So the church is to say, hey, that's not marriage. Marriage is a sacrament. Marriage belongs to the church. Just because civil government declares it's a human right to kill children in their mother's womb does not mean it's lawful that you may do that, civil government. You may not do that. And so the church is to be a mouthpiece, to speak on behalf of God's word. Why? Because it's true. But the leaders of the local church are to equip the saints who were called to civil government to go into it and stand and to apply God's word when it comes to laws, legislation. They're called, those called are, are to apply God's word and shape those things in which they're called to be in the manner in which brings glory to Christ. Now, if you're uncomfortable with this, I wanna ask you, do you believe that Christ is king? Do you believe that his, his kingdom is with us now? So we are to apply God's word that we know serves humanity best, whether people don't like it or not. So this applies to the realm of education, to the realm of health, to the realm of economics, 
in any realm that believers touch with their lives. This is important. But I will say this. This type of life does not go without struggle. That's why some of you are uncomfortable right now. And to be honest, usually the place the pushback begins is from other believers who are more content, some, I don't know why, more content with a pagan society that justifies injustice or immorality and robs individuals from self-governance. They're more content and just just to watch things play out of the systematic, as, as culture systematically dismantles the truth of God's word and the natural order and replaces it with humanistic law, thus elevating man to God's status. And many believers will say, being concerned with bringing Christ's glory and honor in these realms, it's not for Christians to do. We're just to be nice and love. But where's the stewardship, friends? If we believe that all things belong to Christ. Where's our stewardship? How are we applying God's word and his truth in these situations? Jesus said, go make disciples of nations, teach them what I've taught you. What is that? That's the truth of his word. What many people fail to remember is that the Christian faith was birthed throughout the nations and within a 300 year window, when its first 300 years, it was illegal to be a Christian. That's our beginning. Every other world religion was established by, by a civil government, but not Christianity. It was established by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. <clears throat> the major sources of persecution in the early church in the book of Acts is because the disciples were declaring something that we'd say, oh, that's not very wise. Oh, maybe you could say that a different way. Oh, can't you just say that in church? But they were saying this in Acts 17, 7. They are, this is, this is the accusation of the disciples who are flipping the world upside down. They are all acting against the decrees of Caesar saying that there is another king. His name is Jesus. So the government of the church is the gathering of believers under the word and we answer to Christ, friends. The civil government answers to Christ. The family answers to Christ. But for the church, the civil government cannot determine and dictate what the word of God says. That's, that's not to be, that this isn't their, their sphere. So if something happens where, where believers aren't, aren't moving things forward in, in the civil government, or maybe we've retreated because we thought it wasn't our, our purpose to do so. If that civil government tries to say, actually the Bible says this and not this. We go, nah, that, that's not for you to say. They cannot determine what we, as far as even look at our church, they, the civil government cannot determine that we must hire staff that believe contrary of our biblical beliefs. Or if a staff person changes their beliefs that are to something that's contrary to our biblical standard, the civil government cannot tell the church, you must keep them on staff. 
or, or you must perform same-sex marriage, or you must sanction divorce, or you must, you, you must say it's okay for people to have affairs. You, you, you can't say, you must not say that, that pornography is a sin. You must not say that abortion is, is murder. You can't say that. We'd say, that's not your call. That's God's call. And it's his church. But they do have the authority to determine if our building is safe for us to gather in. That's their role. And the official who says you're safe or you're not safe, does it need to be saved? Does it need to go through growth track? <laughs> they have a civil responsibility. That's a ministry to humanity that serves us well. But when the civil authorities say you don't have permission to gather and worship and sing, you don't have permission to divide the word of God together. The truth is the church doesn't need permission from civil authorities to gather, to worship, to sing, to praise. Why? Because Christ our King has already given us permission to do so. Not only that, he has commanded us. Do not forsake the gathering of believers and worship and sing and praise and divide the word of God together. The church is fully under the authority of Christ our King. And, and if you're uncomfortable right now, I would ask you why. The government of the church and function of the church in the world is to instruct civil government. But we don't rival civil, civil government. The church is to instruct individuals. The church does not violate a person's self-governance. That's called tyranny. The church instructs families. The church instructs mothers and fathers. But we don't play the role of mothers and fathers and families. But the church is to model, though, to the other realms of authority, what it looks like to submit to Christ, what it looks like to make decisions based off of God's word, whether people like it or not, what it looks like to submit to the word, what it looks like to worship, what it looks like to bring glory to Christ, what it looks like to love the, our neighbors as ourselves, what it looks like to have unity in our, in our own body, what it looks like to offer forgiveness and, and minister reconciliation, what it looks like to speak and say what is truth and what is a lie. That's what we model. And we do this by the grace of God to bring him glory and honor. We instruct to equip the saints to go transform the world through bringing glory to Christ in the most normal part of your everyday life. You change a tire for the glory of Christ. You work hard for the glory of Christ. You are integritous. You're, you're a man or a woman of your word and business for the glory of Christ. And so we come to 1 Corinthians 10, 30, 31. Paul says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. This is what the scripture says. And so friends, we have to understand and we want to understand today that the church belongs to Jesus. That comes with deep and great responsibility for the leaders of the church, 
for our pastors, for our elders. I ask you to pray for us. I ask you to not distract us with, with stuff regarding wall paint color or carpet color or I don't like that sound or why is that so bright or why is that? Listen, pray for us. Amen. Trust me, if you're worried about all those things, you need, you need to understand a purpose. You need some bigger problems. Because we've got a world to transform. We, we, we've, you've got a neighbor to reach. We've, we've got glory to give Christ through our lives and what we do and how we do it. Amen? If we can, let's stand to our feet. We're going to be taking communion today. So if you can, if you could just step out. We have communion cups up here, communion cups there in the middle. And as we come out and grab your, your communion cups, make your way back, we're going to spend some time actually receiving the Lord's Supper. But before we do, let's pray. Father, we take this moment and we commit this time to you. Jesus, our desire is to give you glory. And Lord, we will we will put your glory number one on our lives. Lord, show us how to do it. Holy Spirit, lead us how to do it. But Lord, we come right now to the table, the Lord's Supper. That you commanded us that we would, when we take it, to remember, to rehearse, to don't forget what you've done for us. So, Lord, right now, we just ask you to look deeply into our hearts as we come to your table. We ask you that you would evaluate the actions of our life. And we come to your table not as a table of condemnation, but as a table of hope as a table of restoration, as a table of healing, as a table of the table that's been set before us, even in the presence of enemies. We come and we receive. So prepare our hearts to receive together as your church family. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.